want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Guffman here on HiPod. I'm Dad. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. It is another Friday. It is the tail end of January for 2022. Thank you for joining me here on the show. Whether you found me on HiPodOnDad.com or any of the streaming services anywhere, Spotify, um, you won't find Neil Young, but you'll find me. If you found me there, if you found me on Audible or iHeartRadio or anything, Give a like, give a subscribe, give a share, give a hoot, don't pollute, do all the good stuff. I really appreciate it. It helps spread the word. Thank you. Um, Yeah, man. Another Friday. And we are closing in on five years of HiBlogOmDad.com, and that is very exciting as well. As you guys know, HiBlogOmDad is the really inspiration behind the podcast. It was the beginning of everything that kind of started this whole, you know, wheel going forward. So I appreciate all your support over there. And every single week, I do a blog on Monday. I do a blog on Wednesday. I talk about my life. I talk about my kids. This week, I did the same thing. On Monday, I did a blog called How My Child with Autism Stopped Hating Haircuts. And this one was something that I had to make a concerted effort to write it. Because one of the funny things with having a nonverbal child, having a child with autism, severe autism, whatever on the spectrum, you happen to land with your kids, you forget the things they didn't do yesterday. You know, today, my son is cool with haircuts. Yesterday, in the grand scheme of things, he used to fight me on haircuts. It was the worst experience of my life. The worst experience of my life. It was awful. I remember the first time I had brought him to a haircut and he lost his mind, freaking out. We brought him to an autism-friendly haircut. My ex-wife would bring him in the very beginning and she would come back and his hair wouldn't be cut. She said, I couldn't do it. So I went and I would hold him down. I'm sitting there in public holding my son down. He was a little too, you know, and you're getting, you're learning what autism is and you feel terrible that you're doing this. And then you look up and this autism quote, friendly hairdresser, Barbara, I almost said Barbara, but I guess hairdresser is more apropos, is looking across the, the place and she's rolling her eyes at the receptionist and you're like, you know what? Screw you. Screw this place. I'm like, I'm not coming back. I'm not, I'm going to do his hair at home. And from that point on, it was an endless parade of accessories and attempts where I'm, I'm buying, you know, quiet buzzers and weird little scissor contraptions and all this stuff. And it was terrible. It was terrible. He would freak out. He would try to grab the buzzers and the scissors with his hands screaming. I'm like on the floor holding my legs wrapped around him. One of the things that I've always done, even to this day, I got to tell you guys, I keep myself in pretty good shape. You know, I'm not about to go and, and join the Olympics, but you know, I exercise every day. I keep myself going. And one of the reasons why is that if need be, I can take both my kids. My daughter realized this, uh, <laughs> Last time she was here, you don't hear people talk about this sometimes. And she wanted to like fight. She's like, Ugh! and she's like wrestling. I tied her up in knots. She's 13. She's like my height. 
Um, and she was shocked. She's like, every time she went to grab me, I grab her arm and pull it back. And I had her like, you know, on the couch, like back. She's like, what is stop? I'm like, oh, I'm going to let you go. You're not going to hit me, right? I'm like, no, don't growl at me. I'm going to let you go. You're not going to hit me, right? You got to be able to do that. You got to be able to take your kids. So I got to tell you, years ago, cutting my son's hair, I would be on the ground. I would have my legs wrapped around him like a spider monkey. And I would have, you know, so his arms were trapped between my legs. We're on the ground. He's crying. I'm, I'm buzzing his hair. And now his only recourse is to like violently move his head back and forth. It was terrible. Terrible experience. To the point where over a summer, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. So I refuse. I'm not cutting his hair anymore. I'm done. I'm not going to cut it. I don't know what I expected. I thought maybe it would grow out and he would just look like, you know, like a God, you know? I'd be like, well, what's the word? He looks like Jesus. It's going to look great. He's going to look cool. Did not look like Jesus. He looked like, um, like the Beatles when they were on acid, you know, the late Beatles. That's what he looked like. It was terrible. It was like a toupee. It was like a, like a Lego figure. That's probably the best one. Like one of those Lego things, you know, the hair, you snap it on him. That was his hair. It was terrible. Chuck Woolery looking kid. Had to cut his hair. And then one day, one day he was cool. Just one day he was cool. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why. I remember being shocked. I remember not knowing what was happening. He was standing at the at the sink, and I went, turned it on, and went, Bzzz. and he just stood there, let me do his hair, let me use scissors. I'm like, what the hell? And then I'm like, all right, this is just, maybe today he's like sick or something. No, that was it. He just stopped, stopped fighting. Every once in a while, like, he'll reach his hand up and not be thrilled about it, but he, that the days, I don't think you understand the drastic switch between the two. Like one day it just ended. I didn't do anything. What did I do? I can give you some advice. People ask me, what'd you do? And I wish I could tell you more. The only things I did was I cut his hair more often. Started to realize that the longer I went in between, the more upset he would get. On top of it, the longer his hair was, when I would use the buzzer, it would pull on his hair. So I think maybe that hurt a little bit. I don't know. Also, on the days where I was going to cut his hair, starting in the morning, I would walk over to him. I'd go, hey, I'm like, today. And I would put my hand against his head. I'd go, like that. And he would be like, he'd look at me, put his hand up, kind of give me that face. I'm like, sorry, bud. We're going to do it. And we do it. And that was it. So that was my part. His part was to mature and to grow, to change. And it's another one of those things where it's something he didn't do yesterday and something that he does today. It's very similar to running. He used to be a runner. I forgot that I had even written a blog about that. One of my first ones, going back through the, the archives and looking through old posts as we're getting ready for this five-year uh, you know, look back, I was able to see how much he's changed, you know, how things have changed. And one of them was running. He's not a runner. He's not a loper. Doesn't do any of those things. It's been years, you know, uh, he's chill. Lucas is like, um, like in Goodfellas, you know, if it seemed like Paulie didn't move a lot, it's because Paulie didn't move for nobody. And that's, that's Lucas. Lucas doesn't, Lucas doesn't move for nobody. He just kind of hangs out and does his thing. So not a runner, let you cut his hair. So there's hope for everything, but I think sometimes and it's really important to remember the things that he didn't do yesterday versus today, because sometimes you can get caught up. Because right now, I'm like, well, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. But there's many things that he does do that he didn't do before. Even now with the iPad, man, I never, I never gave him the iPad before school, because transitioning him away from the iPad was hell. He would fight, he would scream, he would get upset, and now he's gotten cool with it. And even today, I was able to give him the iPad before school, he was on it, he brought it into the car, which was... You know, something we never do. And when we got out of the car, I'm like, can we put this away? And he puts it away. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. I give him a hug. And we get out of the car. It's a sweet moment. So, yeah. Good for him. Good on him.
definitely works. If you're struggling with haircuts, I feel you. It'll be okay. You'll get through it. Um, I did. You know, I'm just got to, at least with my son, I just had to wait it out. So maybe you're in the same boat. I never like to make everything 100%. Like, don't worry, your kid will be, I don't know. I don't know your kid. Your kid might not be fine. Um, but mine was. So if you could take any inspiration from me or any, any hope from that, if you're dealing with it, hopefully you know, your kid will do the same. All right. Wednesday. Wednesday it was the whole point of what I wanted to talk about here in the podcast today, because I like to sometimes bring you guys behind the curtain, tell you a little bit about how I put these blogs together. On Wednesday, I wrote about the importance of being the cool dad, right? And one of the things sometimes with these blog posts is I come up with these ideas for a theme, and it's based on a story I want to tell or some sort of setup that I have. And then I start writing it, and I don't feel it. And that's what happened on Wednesday. The whole idea of Wednesday's blog was supposed to be based on a story about two teachers that I had. And I started writing it. I got halfway through it. And I'm like, this is, I'm completely losing sight of the point I want to make. So I, I scrapped it and I started just writing it as it was. And it came out well. The idea being that I'm a cool dad. It's important to me to be a cool dad, not to be a doormat, not to let my daughter do whatever she wants and showing the difference between it and showing that, you know, I can give her rules and regulations. And by understanding, you know, she follows these rules. So it doesn't necessarily, it's a good thing. Like I should be cool to my kids. My kids can listen to me. All right. The whole point of this though, was based on comparing two teachers that I had. Now, last week I told you guys a story about uh, Miss Christmas, the worst health teacher in history. If you haven't heard that episode, please listen to it and please send it to Miss Christmas so she could hear it too. Um, yeah, I'm sure she'll she'll enjoy it. I have two teachers that I wanted to tell the story about. And the first one, I'm not even going to change his name because he's cool as hell. His name is Mr. Dixon. Mr. Dixon was my chemistry teacher in high school. Mr. Dixon probably doesn't even know who I am, but had a major effect on me because Mr. Dixon was one of the coolest teachers I ever had. He was dry. His humor was the driest humor I've ever seen. His delivery was dry. And it was all part of this class where he taught. I mean, the whole class was 40 minutes of this guy really just teaching, right? But what he would do is he would get to know the kids in the class and work some of the ways that he he made fun of us, but he took an interest in us. For example, there was this kid named Jerry. And Jerry was like a punk kid, you know, punk, ska, whatever it was in the 90s. And we would begin the class and be like, all right, everyone. He's like, Jerry, how was your weekend? Doing some slam dancing with the boys, Jerry. Out there, slamming around, having fun slam dancing. He would always like, he would say it like in this like tired thing. And then whenever he would call for answers from the class. If Jerry would get it wrong, he'd be like, Jerry, gotta wear your helmet when you slam dance, Jerry. And everyone would laugh and it was funny. And we, would, we were into it because it was like, we were learning. And science sucked, man. I was not a science man. So to get me to pay attention to this guy, because you never knew when he was going to say something funny. And the kids would mess back with him and he would sell it. He would laugh. He would be into it. I know that whenever I would do something and say, I remember one time, I yelled out something. Like somebody said something and I was yelling at somebody next to me. And he just looks up with this look of disdain and he just goes, Gutman, be normal. <laughs> and just continued on. It was like his delivery was just so spot on. Um, and it's funny. I always remembered too that there was this one kid, uh, George, you know, because what happened was I was in advanced science, even though I didn't know science. You know, when you're in middle school and early high school, 
they put you in honors classes. Even when you really aren't that great in a subject, they figure, well, you're smart in English and social studies. You must be smart in math and, and science. And I didn't feel I was smart in math and science. So they put me in these science classes. And I was in this class with the kids who were older than me who were in regular science. So it was regular for them. It was advanced for me, but we were all in the same class. And this kid, George, was like this troublemaker. And I remember one time he would like yell out and Mr. Dixon's like, George, the hell's wrong with you, George? And he goes, Mr. Mr. Dixon, I'm going to chase you home. I'm going to watch you shower. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? It was like the weirdest class, right? But we loved it. I remembered it. I always remember this class. And I remember at the end of the year, I took the state test, the regents exam, and I got a 70 on it. Barely passed. But I was happy because I didn't know science. I felt like I wasn't good at it. And I remember I went to see Mr. Dixon afterwards. And I was like, Mr. Dixon, I'm like, I, I passed. And he goes, he goes, you got a 70. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. Are you, are you proud of me? And he shakes his head and he goes, nah. He goes, somebody with your ability. And there was this look of disappointment. And I got to tell you, for over 20 years, I've thought about that with Mr. Dixon. I've thought about him saying that. Someone with your ability, thinking like he thinks I have ability in science. And, you know, and the thought that I get disappointed him by not doing well, because he was a cool teacher and I wanted to do right by him. And that affected me. Flip side now, I had another teacher. I took a class called uh, uh, SAT Math, right? It was supposed to be a prep class for SAT Math that we had Mr. Tanner. Mr. Tanner, at the time I knew it, I guess, but in hindsight, definitely, was just this drunk old man, tired of working. He had been there for a while. Mr. Tanner didn't do anything. I don't think we ever did one lesson in the class. The whole class was like study hall. We'd come in. We would, we would talk to him. He would sit at the desk, talk about football and, and baseball. I think he was like the girls' hockey coach or something. I don't know what the hell he was. But he, would, he wouldn't do anything. Nothing would happen. The class was ridiculous. To the point where I always remember Mr. Tanner was late coming in, and we had written on the board. This was 1995. Mr. Tanner killed Nicole Brown Simpson. We wrote it on the blackboard. And he walks in and he goes, Oh, what was that with Mr. Tannock killed Nicole Brown Simpson. Oh, that's a shame. She's a lovely young lady. Oh. And then he sat down and we didn't do it for 40 minutes. That was Mr. Tanner. And I remember thinking, this class is a waste. Now, keep in mind, Mr. Tanner let us do whatever we wanted. Yet he still wasn't the cool teacher, right? There was nothing cool about this guy, even though he let us do whatever we wanted. In fact, the fact that he let us do whatever we wanted, let us mock him more, right? He was more mockable, I guess, than you would say, Mr. Dixon, because he didn't care. So we didn't care. Nobody cared. Nobody did anything. Nobody respected this guy because he obviously didn't do his one job, which was to teach. And we all knew it. We all saw it. We all felt it. And that was Mr. Tanner. You know what Mr. Tanner thought about me? I don't know. I don't care. I don't think he's ever had an opinion on me. And if he did, it wouldn't matter. I think I got like a hundred in the class. I wouldn't do anything. Not one test, not one quiz, not one piece of homework. Nada. Nothing. I don't even know. He may have even killed Nicole Browns. I don't know if he killed her or not. But he probably didn't. But it didn't matter. So when I had my daughter, my, my kids, both of them, I want to be like Mr. Dixon. I want to be somebody they respect, somebody they know gives them rules because they're important and believes in them. As opposed to somebody who's just like, do whatever, doesn't matter. That's not cool. That's not a cool parent. I know we're, we're programmed to believe that. Somebody says, oh, he's the cool dad. And you think the cool dad is the one that lets you drink and do whatever? It's not. 
That's the one that nobody nobody cares about. On the flip side, too, I don't want to be the crazy militant dad, right? Because if you're a militant dad and you're out there, you don't need this house, you do that. I mean, you know what you teach your kids? You teach your kids to be good around you. And then as soon as you're not around, your kids are terrible. You have terrible kids. Way to go. Terrible kids. I don't want to have terrible kids. I'm going to have good kids. I don't want them to be away from me and be terrible. And those kids, you would see them. I remember, we always talk about this. Uh, and Lindy, I, I went to Lindenhurst High School. We would have these kids that would transfer in from like the Catholic school. And they were the worst freaking kids, man. These kids, they came from these straight-laced families that would send them to the schools with the uniforms and the stuff. They would transfer in in middle school or high school. And they were the worst kids. They were like the, the skanky girls and the Guido boys. And they were fighting and, and doing everything. And why were they so bad? They were bad because they were spending years having to be good around these nuns and their parents. That The second they got away from them, they were like, party time. I didn't want kids like that either. I wanted my kids to know these are the rules. This is why you do them. And respect me enough to know why I put them out there. And then at the same time, know that I'm cool enough that I understand where they're coming from. I've told my daughter stories about things that I've done in high school where she's like, you did that? Really? Miss Christmas, man. I talked about Miss Christmas last week. Had an issue with Miss Christmas. Miss Christmas tried to get me suspended after telling me I could miss her class to go to a bake sale for this team I was on. I was on the debate team. I was the captain of the debate team. We were having a bake sale. And I told her, I said, can I go during your period, because her period was during lunches, I'm like, and sit with the bake sale team. We're not doing anything here. We're listening to music. Your class is silly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I did, and then she sent in cut slips, three of them. She waited until I had enough. She sent them into the principal. The principal was like, I can't do anything about it. He's like, I got to suspend you. You know, and I knew the principal. I had been cool with him. And I went to, I went back to her, and I'm like, can you do something? I'm like, I didn't, you know, you told me I could. She's like, mm, sorry, I guess she got to get suspended because she was a jerk. I knew my homeroom teacher hated her. My homeroom teacher was an accounting teacher. My accounting teacher didn't like this hippy-dippy Momo. That was trying to screw everybody over. So I went to the teacher, yeah, Mr. Uh, Smith, or let's do Mr. Smith. And I was like, hey, Mr. Smith, I'm like, um, do you know Miss Christmas? And he was like, oh, yeah, Miss Christmas. He said it like that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really love Miss Christmas. She doesn't like me. I'm like, I asked her if I could do a bake sale on these days, if I can go sit at the table for the bake sale that we were trying to make money on. She said yes, but then she like sent in cut slips on me and she's trying to get me suspended because she doesn't like me. And he was like, ugh. And I'm like, but then I thought, you know, you're my homeroom teacher. Then I realized, oh, you know what? Those three days, I didn't even go to the bake sale because I wasn't even in school. I think you accidentally marked me as being here. And he goes, oh, yeah, I did. I did I did mark you as present. I'm sorry. And he writes a note to the principal. James Gutman was not in school on these three days. It was fantastic. This is like a Zach Morris style thing that when you tell people the story, they're like, this really happened. It really happened. I swear on my life. Um so the principal didn't suspend me. He, I brought it to him and he laughed. He's like, all right. He like signs off on it. And I go back into class that day and Miss Christmas was like, uh, how did everything go with the principal? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I screwed up. I'm like, I wasn't even in school those days. I'm like my homeroom teacher wrote a note to him and she made this. She's like, what? What? I told my daughter that story. And she's like, you blackmailed your, your teacher? And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know if blackmail is the right word, but yeah, no, I did. So I told her that story. And the reason why I tell her that story is because it's probably worse than anything she's going to pull in school. And then she comes to me with stories. Even yesterday, I sat down at dinner. I'm like, any drama going on? She starts telling me drama at school. Start telling me things that are going on. I know everything that's happening there. I know bad things that she does. I know bad things that other kids do. And I'm able to like guide her through things before 
they blow up in her face. She'll come to me with ideas like, hey, you know, we're really mad at this kid. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I'll be like, mm, maybe you shouldn't do that, you know. But I don't go, I'm going to call your friend's parents. And I'm going to do that. She knows she can come to me with crazy stories and I'm going to give her advice. And nine times out of ten, she's going to listen to that advice. And I'm going to be able to get ahead of these things before they happen. And that's the whole point of parenting. That's the whole point of parenting. If your kid is hiding stuff from you, you're screwed. You're not going to know half the stuff they do. You're going to be shocked left and right. But if your kid knows that they don't have to hide anything from you because you're going to listen to anything they say and give them actual advice, they're going to do that. And that's what I'm trying to do. And that, that's what a cool dad does. But yeah, so two blogs this week, one about my son, one about my daughter, both of them about, you know, overcoming things, making things better, trying to make things better. Um, and of course, Nicole Brown Simpson is a very dated reference for the blog and the podcast, but there's a reason for that. It's because, um, yeah, I'm a little old. Do you want to feel old? Let me help you out. Since you're interaction man, can't you just tell them I'm okay? I'll get right on them. <gasps> then I'll tell them. How do you propose doing that? Rattling some chains? Making lights flicker? You know how to make wind sounds? I could help you. I, I can do that part for you. Yeah, for some of you, that brought back memories. Others have no idea what I'm saying. But once again, for another week, I feel old from the shows that I watch with my daughter on streaming services. And this one, Dead Like Me. Dead Like Me is a show that I loved and I watched once like 20 years ago. I remember I caught it after it was over. Uh, maybe a few years later, it might have been 2010, 2009, whenever it was. But the show is from 2003, and it's about a girl who dies and becomes um, a Grim Reaper with Mandy Patinkin and Rebecca Gayhart. And it is a fantastic show, and it's one of those shows that stuck with me because I love when TV shows, you know, examine the afterlife in a way that you might not have thought about. And this is what this show does. It's fantastic across the board. Love it. Excited about it. Uh, Heroes, as you guys know, a few weeks ago, my daughter and I were watching Heroes. Eh, Heroes got boring. Heroes always got boring. I even remember the first time around, it was such a big deal. And then after the Save the Cheerleader moment, it kind of fell off a little bit, and that's where I was at. So uh, she got bored of it, I got bored with it. I found this show. I said, let's watch this show, Dead Like Me. It's not bad. A little adult in some parts, kind of ignore that. But it's good. Basically, you know, they get post-it notes. The post-it notes tell them that they have to go. People are about to die. They have to like take their souls away. It's really a smart show. It's funny. It's cute. It's all this other stuff. Now, here's the problem. Shows from that time period look like shows from this time period. You could watch this show and you would have no idea when it was recorded, you know, because ever since kind of the beginning of this millennium, TV looks similar. You know, if you go back to like 1987, you watch Mr. Belvedere, you know that show's from 1987. You're like, this show is old. If you go back to the 60s, you know, it's black and white and crappy. 2002 to now, they look the same. Go watch an old X-Files. It's kind of the same stuff. On top of it, you would say to yourself, well, you know what? They don't have cell phones. So without the cell phones, I can kind of tell that it's, you know, an older show. But how often do TV shows really have people playing on their phones? You know, once in a while they pop out, but if it doesn't show up, you don't notice it. This show, every once in a while, they show computers. The computers have the old monitors, but even that, some people use old monitors or whatever. I forgot the show was from 2003. I'm watching it with her last night, and it is payday for the Grim Reapers. The Grim Reapers have to get real jobs. So George, who's the, the girl, she's 
the main girl in the show. Her name is George. She has to get a job working at like this, you know, uh, I don't even know what they do exactly, but it's almost like a like a temp agency, like a staffing agency. And the woman above her comes around with a little basket and she goes, payday! And she's handing out paychecks in a wicker basket with little bows on it. She's like, what are you going to do with your paycheck? And she's handing out the paychecks. And I have to turn to my daughter and go, oh yeah, people used to do that. They used to hand out paychecks. They don't they don't do that anymore. And I instantly felt like I was a thousand years old because I haven't thought about paychecks in years. I don't remember the last time I got a paycheck. Everything is just direct deposit. They just put it right in your bank account. People pay you PayPal, Venmo, man, you know, all that stuff. I don't remember the last time I had to cash a check. You know, well, and even when you deposit a check, you do it on your on your app, on your phone. She would have to go to the bank. It was insane. And I hadn't even thought about it. And for years, I remember being a kid, man, I worked at McDonald's, I worked at Blockbuster Video, which would give you an old feeling too. I remember that excitement of getting your paycheck, eagerly anticipating payday. Nope. Don't do it anymore. It's like watching this symbol of the past that I forgot even existed and watching it play out and forgetting it was a thing. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh my God, paychecks. Forgot about paychecks. But yeah, paychecks. Dead like me, more like old like me. Because I felt old. So thank you. And if you get a chance, man, go back and watch this show. It's on Amazon Prime and it's free with ads, which, side rant, Amazon does not know how to handle their commercials because they cut to commercial in the middle of scenes. And it's insane. Sometimes we get so confused and we, it's become a joke where we're watching it and all of a sudden, like, she'll be talking and she'll be like, you know, where are you going? Well, I think I'm going to go to the store. Go, well, I think. And the next thing you know, you know, it's like a Liberty commercial. So it's like an emu is on the screen. And I was like, oh, I thought that was part of the show. This happens throughout the whole show. Plus side is it's free, even if you don't have Amazon Prime. Uh, the negative side is that they don't know how to do commercials. But watch it. Dead Like Me, it is a show. I fully endorse it. I like it. Um, it brings back good memories. I think you'll enjoy it too. So check it out. It'll give you some hope, give you some rest, give you some sanity. Pod. This is your moment of sanity. All right, this week's moment of sanity is a, kind of a different take on it because I wanted to give you guys a look at something that brings me sanity, something that I enjoy, something that makes me happy, and something that I guess is a little weird compared to most people. But I am a big fan of kind of old comedy and classic, you know, comedy acts, vaudeville, if you will. I'm, I'm kind of into that. As a kid, I used to watch Abbott and Costello with my grandfather, and I became a huge Abbott and Costello fan. I love Abbott and Costello. I have the movies on my computer downloaded. Um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Abbott and Costello meet, you know, the Invisible Man. And in my basement, you guys have seen pictures of Lucas and the kids playing down there. It's the room with all the LED lights. I have posters around the room, and I have the Karate Kid uh tournament poster. I always wanted that. I have that hanging up. I got a Kurt Cobain one up. And I went out and I just bought some new ones because I started putting new posters up. And one of them I bought was Abner Costello Meet the Invisible Man. It's the poster from the movie. Always been a fan of it. If you get a chance and you're not into this and you haven't seen Abner Costello, I am telling you, go on YouTube and download or download, gosh, that's so old. Go stream some clips of either Who's On First, which is the classic, or... um the 24 divided by 7 equals 13, I think was what it's called. It's a, it's a math one where it's just fantastic. Something about it, man. It's just like, 
It's so funny, the delivery of both of them. You have, you know, Bud Abbott, who is the ultimate shame. I mean, hey, Lou, you know, and then, you know, Bad Costello will come over. I'm a bad boy. <laughs> you know, love it. Love watching it. I love going back and, and seeing all the old classic things. And one of the funny things is I went online yesterday and I get into these wormholes. Uh, is that what they call them? Wormholes? Rabbit holes? Rabbit holes. I think it's better. Wormholes is a different thing. And I go online and I start looking up who's on first. And I'm reading about how it was taken, you know, from other vaudeville acts in the past. And they start naming other people, Woodley and Wilson or whatever. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm Googling and YouTubing and I'm looking up all these old types of acts and just really getting into it. And it brings me joy. I don't know, for some reason, I get really happy about it because of the basic nature of it. I feel like nowadays everything's so polished. Even, you know, a sneeze on TV seems, you know, polished and seems rehearsed. But back in the day, movies would seem like ad-libbed. You know, they'd go out there and be like, hey there, Barry, where you going? I'm going to the store. Hmm, you know? And I felt like they were just winging it as they went. And there was something more natural about it. And I love watching it. A lot of my my favorite movies from that time, or even about that time, there's a movie, if you guys haven't seen it, called The Sunshine Boys. As a kid, we used to go to Pathmark which was a supermarket that I eventually worked at in college. And they would have videos to rent for like a dollar each. And I remember I would go with my parents, they would go shopping and I would sit by the videos and just kind of look at them and then eventually be able to take one home. And they had literally like maybe like 16 videos. <laughs> it was like nothing. It was like, you know, just a little wall of videos. And one of them was the Sunshine Boys. And I would get this movie. And the movie was Walter Matthau and George Burns. And they played two Abbott and Costello style vaudeville comedians that were reuniting for a TV special, but they hated each other. And it was a great movie. You know, Walter Matthau, George Burns, classic. And because of that, I feel like I've aged. You know, I, I feel like I can look at things from before my time as if they happened during my time, which is something that doesn't really happen anymore. It's kind of the side rant that I've gone on before where this generation doesn't have reruns. And without reruns, they lose that commonality between the previous generations. What am I talking about? When I was a kid, we used to watch old stuff. Not just me, not just the Abbott and Costello, not just the, you know, going and getting the videos from the video store, but you were kind of a slave to what was on television. Whatever TV aired, you watched. So I watched Too Close for Comfort because it was on TV. I watched, you know, uh, Bewitched or I Dream of Genie. And because of that, I can reference Bewitched. I can talk about Samantha Stevens, even though the show was on like 20 years before I was born, you know, was a, or before I watched TV or any of that stuff. These shows were old. They were black and white. They were, you know, your parents' shows, your grandparents' shows. Burns and Allen. I know George Burns and, and Gracie Allen, things like that. Even though I was from the 80s and the 90s. And we all did. Kids my age, from Nick at Night, they knew Leave It to Beaver, and we knew Andy Griffith. But now we stream shows. So unless you know of a show, you really don't go back and watch reruns of other things. So kids today don't really know the stuff that I watched as a kid, whereas I knew the stuff that the generation before me watched. So we lose kind of that commonality between the two. And it's sad. You know, we, we, we should be able to go back. We should be able to kind of have that common trend of knowing jokes and knowing references and knowing, you know, who Major Healy is or knowing who, you know, Larry Tate is. These are all characters from shows that I was way too young to have ever known, but I did because they aired on TV and I was stuck watching it. So rabbit holes, what I end up doing, and this is the weirdest thing I do, and I know it's weird. I'm totally with you. What I end, what I end up doing is 
I go on IMDb all the time. If we're watching a TV show, I talked about this a few weeks ago, and there's a character on it. I go on uh, the Internet Movie Database, and I look up the show, and I see what the people look like now. And I see, you know, what they've been up to. Now, if it's an old show, like if my daughter and I are watching The Twilight Zone from the 60s, and there's an old man on The Twilight Zone, what I do is I go on IMDb, and I ask her, what year do you think that guy was born in? And she'll be like, hmm, you know. And typically, like 1885 or something. It's crazy. And she'll be like, 1885? It's really nuts. It's like, I don't know why it's a game that we play. We do it all the time. But what I'll do is I will then look at this guy, this actor who was born in 1885, and then I go to his page on IMDb, and I go to his very first acting job. And I see what year that was. So maybe his first acting job was like 1918. And then I look at the people who were on that acting job. And I look for the oldest person on that acting job, and I see what year they were born. I just keep going back and back and back. And then sometimes I'll go and I'll go on Wikipedia. Like, let's say I, I get eventually back to somebody from like 1820, you know, Jack Skellington. And I'll go, I think that's the, that's the Nightmare Before Christmas guy. But anyway, I'll go to the, the, the Wikipedia page and I'll look up stories from their life. And I'll read the people who helped them break in. You know, Jack Skellington began his acting career in 1849, working for Tom Rivers. And I'm sorry, now our Wikipedia, Tom Rivers. I see, and I see how far back I can go. Why? I don't know. It's the most mindless, weird thing that I do to occupy my time. I literally will end up doing this for a prolonged period of time where I'm just like, how long have I been? What am I doing? But it relaxes me. And I think that's the whole point of the moment of sanity. It's something that you find that relaxes you, whether it's weird, whether it's productive. This is not productive. I don't really retain a lot of this information, as you can tell by the fact that I have to give you fake names. I can't even name real ones that I've looked up. I mean, there's some things stick with me. Like, uh, I remember I started looking up things about the Booth family, John Wilkes Booth, Edwin Booth, like that whole family. And I would find stuff about the acting career of, of them. John Wilkes Booth's brother was a famous actor. It's pretty crazy. Uh, so stuff like that kind of sticks with me. But for the most part, a lot of these names that I look up, they, they jump right out of my head immediately. But at the time, I think it's cool. I'm like, oh my God. I almost feel like I'm going back in time. So yeah, you might not like it. You don't have to like it. Maybe it won't bring you sanity. But what I'm trying to say is whatever you like, do it. Give yourself that feeling of relaxation, that feeling of happiness and excitement and embrace it because you deserve it. And that does it for me. I also want to mention too, before we go here today, I forgot to mention at the beginning, I'll mention it now. I have actually just taken on a position. I am the new managing editor of onthestrip.com. So if you guys are heading out to Las Vegas, if you want to know stuff about Las Vegas, I am really proud of the work I'm doing with them. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of stuff going forward. I have an article that I wrote for them, but I'm also kind of handling a lot of the, the content on there. And as you guys know, I like to keep things fun. So if you're into Vegas or if you are going to Vegas or you want to know stuff about Vegas, definitely check it out. I have the links, you know, in my profiles and things like that. It's a great team. I'm really stoked. I'm still going to do stuff with Post Media as well. So you'll still read my articles um, on the Canadian newspapers. So if you're in Canada, you're in luck. So from Canada to Vegas, I got you covered. Check me out, folks. That does it for me. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, Bob. I'm dead.